day and welcome to Holding Fast. How is your anchor holding today? Is it gripped firmly to the solid rock of Holy Scripture? Our passage for today's podcast finds us in the book of Romans chapter 12. been reading here in uh, my uh, personal Bible reading and through the reading program that takes you through the Bible in a year. Uh, the one our church is working at, where you just read, read recently in Romans chapter 12. And I was once again reminded of a great, great truth here that I want to highlight for us today. If you don't remember those verses, Romans 12, 1 and 2, the Bible says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. I want to stop right there, at least for today. may revisit this again in the next podcast, but uh, I want to spend some time with this passage today because it is such a critical transition in the book of Romans that I believe uh, teaches us a doctrine that will dictate the entire way we live our lives and uh, not just living our lives, but on what foundation we live those lives. Uh, if you've read those verses before, you quickly come to understand that uh, that the Apostle Paul, whenever he would write, and it was his pattern throughout of all of his letters in the New Testament, some of the nine letters that he wrote, uh, he would also present this rich Bible teaching and doctrine. He would be teaching scriptural truth, what's right, what's wrong, what's accurate, so that we would be able to have a proper estimation uh, and foundation on which to make choices in life. So in the New Testament letters of the Apostle Paul, you would always start off, I mean, Ephesians is like this. The first three chapters of Ephesians teaches all this great doctrine, great understanding of the mind of God. And then the next three chapters are the summarization of what that looks like in a person's life. In other words, if I put this great teaching and doctrine into practice, what will that look like? In the book of Ephesians, for instance, it's, well, if I walk worthy of the calling that God has given to me, what does that look like in my family? What does that look like for me as a husband, a father? What does that look like as a wife or a child or an employee or whatever it might be? The last three chapters of Ephesians spend the time talking about that. And that's just something to keep in mind when you read through these New Testament books, that that's always doctrine, right doctrine, always is the basis for right behavior. And that's why, as disciples of Jesus Christ, we let the Bible tell us uh, how we ought to conduct ourselves. Well, that's no less true here in Romans chapter 12 in this very, very important transition. For 11 chapters, the Apostle Paul has been laying out systematically uh, 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 the uh, doctrine and the Bible's teaching concerning salvation. Uh, You're aware that in chapter 1, 2, and 3, Uh, The book of Romans lays out why it's necessary that we have salvation. Why should we need forgiveness? Why do we need a Savior? What is our condition so that it would demand such an extravagant price from our Father in heaven to intervene on our behalf? 
And in chapter 1, he says it's because intuitively, innately, we all know as human beings that there is a God and we're accountable to him. Chapter 2, he said it doesn't matter if you're even Jewish uh, or Gentile, the remedy is still the same for our broken humanity. And in chapter 3, he said the bottom line is that we're all sinners. There's nobody that's righteous, no, not one. And that means that because all are sinners, therefore all have the ability to be saved. And in chapters 4, 5, and 6, he proves that salvation comes by faith alone plus no works. I cannot supplement the price paid by Jesus. It is entire trust in him alone that provides me with the with the uh, uh, removal of my sin so that it's not held against me anymore. So that in chapter 6, uh, you know, you're, you, the, the passage in 623, uh, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Chapter 4, he'd already said, Abraham was saved by faith. Uh, he believed and God turned it or reckoned it as righteousness to him or accounted unto him to be righteousness. And so that's all the way through chapter 6. Chapters 7, 8, and 9 go on to expound on it even more, uh, or 7 and 8 in particular, but in chapter 9, 10, and 11, uh, the, uh, the Apostle Paul spends time dealing about this evangelistic fervency of how he longs to see his own countrymen, the Jews, to come to the Messiah and to be saved. And that all that great teaching, all that great doctrine about why I need to be saved, where I cannot find salvation, and where I can find salvation, is all summed up. And then in chapter 11, uh, excuse me, in chapter 12, the book makes a transition. And he says the very first word of, uh, of Romans chapter 12, I beseech you, therefore, in the original, therefore, stands at the beginning of the sentence. Therefore, I'm begging you, I'm urging you, the Apostle Paul says, by the mercies of God. In other words, the displays of God's goodness to you, and I say this even to you, listener, today, God displayed his extravagant grace towards you in Jesus Christ. So whether you're a Jew or whether you are a Gentile, uh, that great expenditure of God's goodness towards you that cost the life of his son should induce and cause you and me to consecrate and run to uh, consecrate ourselves and run to Christ run to him to not be conformed to this world that we're living in to not have our thinking um influenced by the godlessness of our culture but rather we are to think God's thoughts after him. Now, the text says this fairly clearly. He says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, in light of that great, great mercy that's been given, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice. By the way, when new believers come to Christ, this is something that, that has to be taught, that they need to understand. Now, there is a certain sense in which the Holy Spirit is going to teach new believers because all of a sudden you have a new boss in this world. You have a new king, and that is Jesus Christ. 
uh, and he teaches you that we ought to live in a godly way. Isn't that what the verse says? You present your bodies a living sacrifice that I lay myself on the altar and say, Lord, I am all yours. I deny self. I deny all my own uh, 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 dreams and aspirations. I give them all to you. And then God, by the way, will do greater things than you could ever imagine with your life. But I present my body as a living sacrifice. You know, living sacrifices sometimes have a way of crawling off the altar. And that's why we need to be reminded of this, that I live a life of obedience to the Lord uh, because of what he did for me. That's why I give my life to Christ and say, this is yours, you take it. And he says that you present your bodies a living sacrifice wholly. Holiness is a doctrine that's not taught much in churches today, but it's one that needs to be taught. It's one that we need to understand. Holiness is not legalism. Oftentimes those that are in liberal uh, uh, liberal philosophies of their Christianity want to be able to conduct themselves and live according to the dictates of this world. They want to enjoy the same hobbies, the same entertainment. They want to enjoy the same recreational beverages. They want to enjoy all of the things that this world says they find uh, they find satisfaction in. And yet all the time, they are not holy and set apart for God. God said we ought to be holy. That's not... Uh, that's not legalism. Legalism is you trying to earn your way of salvation. Holiness is knowing you're already saved and therefore desiring to live a godly life. A, a, a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God. And he says in verse 1, that's just your reasonable service, the King James says. Literally, it reads, that's your spiritual service of worship to God. When you, out of deep gratitude, worship the Lord by saying, here's my life, you take it, you do with it what needs to be done. I give it to you, Lord. After all, you've expended so much for me. That's what Romans 1 is all about. I haven't got time to deal with the next verse. We're going to do that in the next podcast, but I want to challenge you today. Have you given your entire being over to the leadership and the belonging uh, the the proprietorship of the living Lord Jesus Christ. Boy, he's done so much for us, has he not? His mercies have been poured out on us so many times. Let me encourage you, listener, today, if you claim to be a disciple of Christ, why don't you renew your love and your dedication to him today and say, I am uh, sacrificing my own desires to say, Lord, here's your here's my life. Take it. Use it for your glory. God bless you today.